I love the uh, Andy Reid quote. When things look grim, be the Grim Reaper. <laughs> no, that was legit. Hey, yo. We are Fantasy on Draft, the FOD, or the FODcast, if you will. FODcast, there we go. <laughs> Welcome to episode numero 21, the big 2-1. Let's drink. Oh, planning on it. <laughs> I'm NMFL. I'm with my co-host, Miyagi Pocock. What is up, guys? Dude, what a weekend. Woo! What a weekend of football. Did we see the greatest weekend of football ever? I think it has to be a yes on that, man. Like, how could you get better? Yeah, that <laughs> was crazy. The games were amazing. We're going to get into all of them. We're going to talk about them. But just to let you know where we're at, we are on Patreon, baby. Uh, www.patreon.com slash draft. We'd love to have you check us out, see what we're about. It's a way for us to kind of get crowdfunded. You know, you can go check it out. You can give us a dollar an episode or, you know, a couple dollars a month. And it really helps keep us going. It really helps us get, you know, better editing software. And it helps <laughs> us get better tools so we can be better for you. And that's what we're hoping to do. Heck yeah. Um, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on SoundCloud. We're at Apple Podcast. Uh, please like and subscribe. Leave a review. We're also on Facebook at Fantasy on Draft Podcast. We have a Bad Fantasy Football Trades page that we'd love to have you check out and drop some, some crazy trades because there hasn't been a whole lot going on in the last week or so. Also, our email, fantasyondraft at gmail.com. Love to have you send us anything that you, any questions or maybe some start sit information when we're getting into the year or draft. I guess it's more draft stuff now. Yeah, heck yeah. That's fun stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, today's episode, we're going to get into news around the NFL, basically talk playoffs. Our six pack of the week is going to be some trades that have gone down in our dynasty leagues that have already happened for the 2022 season. And we're just going to discuss those, you know, say how we like them or if we didn't like them. And then our rookie player profile will be Kenneth Walker III. And then we'll finish off this week's show with a drunken trade of the week, which this week isn't quite as drunk as last week's. You can't measure up to that always. That was a fucking shit show. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. But first, let's get into our beer of the day. Miyagi, what are we doing? All right, so um, we are drinking Lord Lupulin from Revision Brewing Company today. This is a New England-style IPA coming in at 6.5% ABV. Uh, Revision is based out of Sparks, Nevada, right by uh, Reno. Um, their social is Revision Brewing Co., or at Revision Brewing Co. And, um, I mean, they've, they've kind of really etched out their spot in the New England IPA world. I, I think their, their hazies are, are killing it. They're highly sought after. Um, the pedigree of the brewery is great. Their owner and founder used to be the head brewer for Knee Deep when Knee Deep was just killing it. Which is kind of crazy because Knee Deep is such a heavy-hitting West Coast punchy in the mouth. And now Revision makes, I mean, got to be some of the best on the West Coast. Oh, I mean, for they, sure. they got to be a top two or three of the hazy IPAs. Yeah, I believe so. And they still have a really good West Coast IPAs, too. Like, their Mosaic yeah, Revenge is, is okay. great. But I think that was one of the reasons why um, Jeremy decided to branch off and do his own is because he wanted some of that freedom to, to kind of play ah. with this this style specifically that was newer and 
Um, people, you know, some of the old old codger get off my lawn type of breweries were like, ah, it's disgusting, turbid beer, it's gross, nobody's gonna like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, makes sense. so he's like, okay, I'll, I'll just go do my own shit. And um, so uh, yeah, they've they've been they've been killing it. I, I uh, really enjoy this beer. It has a uh, Galaxy, Vic Secret, El Dorado, and Citra hops. So you have some of those Southern Hemisphere hops that, that always come together great in uh, this style of beer. And then Citra is just awesome with everything. Citra is like the the fix-all, end-all, beautiful hop for for any type of hoppy beer. Citra and Mosaic are kind of my my darlings. Yeah, this uh, this beer is great. Um, it's definitely you know a hazy, orange juice looking but not overly sweet that I don't like. It's, it's got some, some hoppiness to it a little bit and a little bite to it. And uh, I would happily pick this up and, and drink it all the time. I um, checked out their website, which is uh, revisionbrewing.com, and they had a real, real cool timeline of the brewery, and it started that. It started when Jeremy you know, left knee deep, and then I didn't know this, but they were originally trying to be in West Sacramento. Yeah, in Sacramento, exactly. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about them. They were, that was, and then you know things f- fell through, and then they found location in Sparks. And I'm slightly jealous that they're not closer to us. Uh, West Sacramento would have been would have been pretty cool, just uh, on my own selfish level. <laughs> yeah, I remember when that was all going down. Like everybody's really excited for it being there. Like, yeah, we all super pumped, and then um, something to do with like planning or city code or something to do with the city of Sacramento just didn't line up right. So they're like, all right, well, we will go elsewhere, and they are doing fine, just fine over there. Yeah, I have been to the brewery once over there. Uh, Joe Griff and I went to Reno for a concert, and we stopped by and had a few beers and stuff. And it, it's a it's a pretty cool little, cool brewery, cool vibe. You yeah. know, definitely laid back. You can look right into the brewery and, and see it all and stuff. And, and I really enjoyed it. And I actually, I really enjoy this beer, too. Um, you know, I've been vocal that hazies aren't always my favorite thing. I'm, I'm much more of the West Coast. Um, but I like this a lot. I'm going to I'm going to rate it. I'm going to start us off and I'm going to uh, I'm going to give it a seven point eight. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I definitely I'm going to finish this one today and maybe have another one later. There you go. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and rate the style first. And again, with a with a hazy beer, New England style beer, the first thing you look for is how the beer itself holds holds that turbidity, holds that haze. Um, keeps those proteins suspended in there, and this one does a great job. Like it, there's no, there's no fall off from what I can see. Like it, you pour it from a can or you pour it off draft, it, it's got the same turbidity to it, and I really like that. So, for the style, um, I'm gonna give it a nine because I think it amplifies yeah. everything you want from a New England style IPA. Totally. I, I think even even more so um, for me, the enjoyment of it is is great because it does have that bitterness from the hops. It does have that lupulin kind of have that. Um, you know, Lupulin is basically like keef of hops, so you get a lot more concentrated flavor of that, and I really, really dig that in this beer. It holds that fresh flavor a whole lot longer. Yeah, the Lord Lord Lupulin is a is a cool name. Yeah, and their can art's that. dope, dude. Yeah, I love all their yeah. like all their can art is so cool. So they have like this you know hop faced King Lord of the staff and battle and everything. It's it, it's rad. Um, for my enjoyment, I I mean. Uh, how do I just not enjoy the hell out of this beer? Like, this is kind of one of my go-to just drink drink beers when I'm at home drinking. So I'm going to keep it right at a nine uh, all across the board. 
and uh, I'm going to finish this and maybe have another one before the show's over there. Yeah. And shout out to our friend Nick Jester. He's a, the head brewer over there, um, and so he's, he's doing a great job over there. Yeah, that's rad. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the brewery, big fan of everything they're putting out. So I'm glad we got to do this on the show, and uh, great beer. Heck yeah. Uh, we'll move on here. We'll get into some playoff football. You know, there was Saturday football. There was Sunday football. We got we started off um, Titans and the Bengals. Uh, what know. a game! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I don't know if we thought it was gonna be though. You right? know, going, no. going into it, I don't think anybody was really like, oh, this is gonna be a great game. The Titans were the one seed, and you know, had been playing pretty pretty well for you know what missing Derrick Henry, but that was the thing. Well, yeah, they, King Henry was back. Yeah, and they were missing people. The whole season, they just kept finding right. ways to, to win. They were missing A.J. Brown. Julio was gone. They never had, like, their holy trinity right. except and for at the beginning of the season for a little bit. But yeah, and everybody was back. Yeah, and they kept winning. Like you said, Derrick Henry was back with fresh legs. I thought this was just going to be – like, I was I was glad the Bengals won a game. I was like, cool, right. you, you got 100%. your story. All right, that's that's a, that, good for you guys. I'm happy for you. But I honestly – I won't say I didn't give them a chance against the Titans, but I was – really surprised by by this game yeah no i i was too i felt the same way it was really great i was super pumped to see the Bengals win a game move on you know they're super young now it's time to get derrick henry his 225 yards rushing in the playoffs when it's cold when it's you know yeah and it didn't happen the the young bucks they moved on they beat the number one seed yeah it's almost like it it's one of those things where you have a young enough team where they don't they don't know that they're supposed to yeah. lose. <laughs> they're yeah. like they're like, you know, oh yeah, the Titans have never beat us, you know. So they they might have beat a team earlier in the season or last year uh wearing the same colors as us, but we have, they've never beat our team. This right. is and that mindset that that uh you know, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase bring to that team is awesome. Yeah, I, I will admit I've kind of looked at it was, well, the Bengals are a young team. They'll be here again. Yeah. Let's get the Titans to move on. Let's get King Henry to, you know, get his due. Yeah. And it's it's not what happened. Um, Tannehill had a rough game. Yeah. Uh, I saw a thing that he threw an interception on the first play of the game, and he threw an interception on his first pass of the second half. I don't think it was the first play of the second half. But both his first pass and uh, the game and then his first pass the second half. And then, you know, the Titans had the ball late. There was just over two minutes, and they were running the ball, trying to get the time down and move into field goal range. And Tannehill threw his third interception um, with 20 seconds to go. And then... Uh, Jamar Chase had like a 19-yarder. Just a perfect route. Yeah, just a great pass. I mean, Joe Burrow threw it great. Everything was good. And uh, Evan McPherson, 52-yard field goal. <laughs> Love I, I, he kicked, I mean, at least two 50-yarders. There was another one, and I think he had another one that was like 40-plus, too. Yeah. Earlier in the game. And just I mean, earlier in the season, too. He was winning walk-offs, like I think. I think three out of their first five wins were walk-offs by this rookie kid. Yeah. <laughs> Burrow came out and said that he, like, walked out there as he was getting ready to kick, and he walked out and was like, I guess we're going to the championship game. <laughs> love it, dude. I love it. Like, I like I like kickers with some personality, man. Like, I think that's rad. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
Uh, Joe Burrow, he had another big game, 348 yards passing. Um, didn't throw a touchdown, um, but they had some other stuff that worked. Chase yeah. had Chase had 109 yards. T. Higgins had 96 yards. Um, Mixon uh, had over 100 total yards and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, the young guns, they are I, – I love the games where Chase and T. Higgins – um, have big games, yeah. Just because yeah. I think they're I, in love with both those guys. Well, it's like the de- the defense has to take turns picking which one they're going to try to double team, and whichever one isn't getting double teamed, the other one's getting the ball. And they're both incredibly capable young wide receivers. And it's it. I mean, I think the Bengals are going to be a fun team for a couple years, man. Yeah. I think they're, they've got a really bright future. And they both. I mean, I haven't seen anything on the field that shows anything other than them celebrating each other and cheering each other on. Yeah, I think I think when you have a quarterback like Burrow, too, it's like, dude, you got yours today. I'll get mine right, next week. Right. And so there isn't a whole lot of competitive animosity unless it's, like, playful, like they have a side bet on a slushy on who's going to get more yards that day or something. But there is, I don't see any diva in either one of those wide receivers so yet. Yeah, so, right, right. You know, it's looking good. And, and like I said, when you got to – quarterback like joe burrow who's probably telling them all like don't worry man i'll get you (laughs) yeah and they have no choice but to believe him he's done it so far so yeah on um the Titans side Tannehill, his game was not as great three picks i think he was only about 220 yards aj brown though had a really big game 142 yards and a touchdown henry looked good but a little rusty um, I, he only had like 62 yards on something crazy. It was pretty high, like 18, 19 carries, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. But he did have a touchdown, which he just kind of bullied everybody in. But Deontay Foreman looked good. Deontay Foreman looked really good. In fact, I saw the one was like a 30-something yard run, and I was like, yeah, there goes Henry. He's getting it. <laughs> me too, me too. Because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't watching like play-by-play of that game. I didn't see who was in it. I just looked up, and I'm like, oh, there he goes. There he goes. And I'm like, oh, crap, that's the wrong number there. And they right. do look, yeah, they do look similar yeah. on the field when you just first glance, just look up. But, yeah, Dante Foreman almost sealed it for him. He had a couple big runs right at the end of the game. and uh, But, yeah. It was it was a great, I mean it was just a great game. I mean just a walk off field goal at the end of the game, you know after the the pick with 20 seconds to go. I mean it was it was a good game. Yeah, I was watching that sequence just, my I was like oh my god he threw another one and then I was like well you know we'll we'll see what happens here like I guess overtime and then Burrow hits Chase like right at that kind of 50 yard field goal line. I was like oh my god they're gonna get it they're gonna go for it and they're gonna get it. And, uh, yeah, hell yeah. It's going to be a, a fun championship game for them. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm excited to, to see what the Bengals can do. Mm-hmm. All right. After that great game, that led us right into the Niners and the Packers oh, game. What a game. OMG, it was so stressful. <laughs> I was, oh, man, I was stressed out the whole game. I mean, it just started out, Aaron Rodgers got the ball, just marched straight down the field. Yeah, I thought that. And scored a touchdown. I mean, just, there was, it was so easy. Yeah. So easy. I'm like, all right, well, there goes this game. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was super easy. And then it was like, okay, well, you know, Niners have been doing okay on offense. You know, first down, okay. Second down, okay. Third down, sack. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we give it back. You know, and it's like, all right, oh, we hold them. All right, great. First down, second down, third down, sack. <laughs> it had to be our first, I always say R, had to be the Niners' first three <laughs> drives that they were sacked on third down. Like, just awful. Yeah. 
Um, luckily, the Niners defense played pretty well. They played really well. I mean, they, after that that first touchdown, where I mean, gosh, that was easy. They they held up pretty pretty good. They didn't panic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they they stayed with it pretty well, and uh, then you know we finally put it. We're putting a drive together right near the end of the half. Jimmy G was moving it around. We were. You know, going towards the end zone, time was running down, and I knew that the Niners got the ball at the half. And I was like, man, we're going we're gonna to score a touchdown here. Mm-hmm. Minimum of a field goal. We're going to get the ball back at halftime, and it'll give us, you know, the only opportunity to get two, you know, possessions in a row. Yeah, yeah. And possibly go up. Yeah, you can do those back-to-back scores. Like, yeah. It's always great. Oh. Yeah. And then – just throws the <laughs> ugliest interception, like at like the three yard line. It's just so bad. Just, I mean, I don't. I saw. I mean, Kittle like gave him the arm motion and was trying to like cut, you know. Yeah. But he like he like floated it like four yards too short. That Kittle was moving like to the left, and I don't know. Jimmy G wanted him to move left and come forward like 10 yards yeah I, I don't know I don't know man it, it seems like every Jimmy G interception is just uglier than a, than every other quarterback's interceptions to me just because it seems like they're always so inopportune and just avoidable you know they, yeah. they all seemed super avoidable he had another one late where almost the same type of ball thrown it out to the same side and just <laughs> floated it and the DB, like, came running up to the receiver. I don't even remember who the receiver was. But he went to the outside of the receiver and, like, broke it up. Yeah. But if he would have broke in. If he would have broke yeah. in, it was a pick six. I mean, yeah. nobody, nobody would have been able to stop him. But, like, it looked like almost like it, when, he was, when he was running up, he, didn't, he wasn't looking at the ball. He was just trying to get to the player. Trying to stop the play, yeah. So we kind of lucked out there. But on the interception, he did throw – Luckily, 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 um, because not only did I think we were going to get two back-to-back possessions and go up, <laughs> right. there was enough time for Aaron to march the ball down and get into field goal. Uh, you know, he got in, got close enough for a field goal, and we blocked it. Yeah, and that was crazy. I don't. I mean, I feel like field goals are never blocked. Yeah. Well, the special teams of the Packers are a fucking. They're a wreck, man. Yeah, yeah. So, luckily, we went into the half. Um, you know, without giving up that field goal, even though we didn't score, we were getting the ball back. Seven nothing. That's, you know, yeah. that's surmountable. And then a whole lot of nothing again. And then we blocked a punt, and nobody knew where the ball was. It went straight up in the <laughs> air, and our, you know, the Niners were able to pick it up and run it in for a touchdown and make it seven-seven. Uh, and that just completely changed changed everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was such a momentum just explosion because it 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 seemed like every everybody was getting kind of lulled to sleep by defense besides Aaron Jones catching like 13 passes or something crazy like that. Um, it seemed like everybody was just kind of zombing through stuff and that one special teams play really just kind of like boom, we're right back in it. Yeah. If our defense can keep stopping uh, the Packers, or if our special teams can keep taking advantage of this, this is a game we can win. Because at that time, it just seemed like, okay, well, it 
I'm just waiting for Aaron Rodgers to finish off one more drive. Right. Yep. You know, and four, 14 would have won. I mean, 14 would have won. Right, right. Um, so you're thinking, like, it's just a matter of time, blah, blah. And, and it just seemed like it was inevitable that Aaron Rodgers would lead the Packers down for one more touchdown at, at one point. And especially with all the yardage, Aaron Jones was eaten up on those, you know, screen passes and little bubble scratch wheel routes. But the defense just kept putting it to him, man. Just kept finding ways to break up plays or, or stopping them, and it, it was uh, it was it was something to see. Yeah, we ended up trading field goals, and so it was 10-10, uh, getting later in the game, and um, somehow we forced a punt. Uh, they punted, and Niners had like three minutes and 20 seconds, and just completely ran it, ran it, ran took it, it, took all, all the time. Yeah. I mean, took all of it, and then. Um, Robbie Gould, who has not <laughs> missed in the playoffs, and they put that little, you know, earlier in the game, they'd put up that he hadn't missed. They put a, a stat up. And, and you jinxed it for sure. He's going to miss. Well, not only that, but pl- we're watching the game with my buddy Joe, who's a big Packers fan. And so he's just, you know, making sure to let us know that Robbie Gold's never missed. Yeah, you know? of course, because that's how you... <laughs> right, right. I mean, if you're smart, you do that because you know he's going to miss. Never, <laughs> ever, ever missed field goal in the playoffs never and when he made it the all the Niners fan in the house we all jumped up and cheered and yelled and screamed and then Joe kicked us out it was great yeah awesome (laughs) did you see the the replay of uh, Robbie Gold kicking over the Packers player introductions I saw that and I was like that can't be real like they're introducing him in a in a playoff game. Everybody's running on the field, and this dude's lining up practice kicks. And yeah. I was like, if that's true, that's the ballsiest thing I've ever seen. And then come, he's done that before. Yeah, then I saw that <laughs> he was doing it at the uh, Cowboys The game Cowboy too. games. The cheerleaders are lined up on both of the hashes doing their dances, and he's just lining up kicks. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, that's pretty big distractions you're not just kicking with nothing there I yeah mean, you know well, I can I'm, see sh- the- I'm sure they're allotted a certain amount of time too so it's you know it's like yeah, it, yeah. it's not like he was breaking a, there has a to be something rule to or something okay. yeah because i was like dude if he just did that <laughs> he's gonna get fired they're not gonna let him do that anymore and then i was like dude he's done it twice this is okay this is great then yes <laughs> kick it right over right over the home team's players running out of the tunnel just boot it just here's some foreshadowing for you guys yeah yeah it was all the memes i saw were like he's so cold-blooded like showing it and stuff (laughs) oh man aaron Rodgers. he was he was nine of ten targets to aaron jones yeah and he was nine of 11 targets to Devontae adams yeah it sounds like a game you're gonna win (laughs) and he was so they had 18 catches and he had 20 completions total. So he had two other completions. Yeah. He threw 21 targets, so those guys only had six other targets. I mean, you got to spread the ball around a little, right? You'd think so. You'd think so. But, I mean, I, th- I, thought, I thought Randall Cobb would be a bit more involved um, than nothing. He didn't. You know, he there got- was a play where he actually caught a ball, but there was a penalty, so it got wiped yeah, out. Yeah, he, he, like, he, like, caught a ball. And he, like, got a few yards and stuff. And it, if I remember correctly, it might even have been for what at the time thought was a first down. And I just was like, he's still alive? Yeah, no, he just came back, like, soon from surgery. And he's, like, 
super, you know, way ahead of schedule and everything. But, yeah, I mean, you had one catch to Adam Lazard for six yards and one to Mercedes Lewis for nothing. Who fumbled? Oh, I don't, I don't have that in front of me. No, he did. He, he, oh, Mercedes no, Lewis fumbled? That's what I'm saying. Mercedes oh. Lewis caught the ball. Oh, okay. That's that a- was his fumble. Well, yeah, don't throw it to him anymore. <laughs> but I'm surprised you didn't have have uh, Lazard more involved because he's been kind of their, their, you know, when obviously you still get the ball to Devontae Adams, even if they're double teaming him because he's just that good. But Lazard's been a, a, a part of that offense way more than MBS has. Yeah, it just seems, it seemed like Aaron usually is doing that's kind of his, I mean, he always hyper targets Devontae Adams. I you mean, have to. He's I so mean, good. Right. <laughs> but I still feel like, you know, he tries to find the open guy, and, and he was he was not doing that. He yeah. was just flinging it to Adams no matter what. Or J- Jones. Or Dan Jones. Yeah. Right, right. That <laughs> I, mean, was, I mean, that was that Like, was if it. it's not there, he just throw, tosses it to him and let, lets him run for 15 yards after they catch. Like, I mean, seems like a good recipe, but if – it, it wasn't. Yeah. It's just so weird that, it, you know, people can have this stigma to them, you know, like Aaron Rodgers and the Niners in the playoffs. Like, he's 0-4 against them in the playoffs. But yeah. It, and and it, what it always comes back to is that quote on draft day. You right, know, it's like, right. not as sorry as they're going to be for not drafting me. And it's like, okay, you've had four chances to live up to that. And you've been arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play you're definitely one of the most physically talented and you make amazing plays you've set all sorts of records you're unbelievable but when you reach the Niners in the playoffs you're 0 and 4 I will tell you <laughs> as a diehard Niners fan I would have given anything to have had Aaron Rodgers oh for sure for, for sure man I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that yes it's the four times that we beat him in the playoffs are amazing and yes, we get to stick it to him a little bit because of that. But really, yes, I do regret that we didn't. Take so that that just brings up this whole stigma, though. He's a own four. So like at own three, I was like, okay, well that can't keep going forever. I think you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> so next week you're playing a team that that the Niners have beat what five or six times in a row now. Like honestly, I think it's seven. Is think, that, seven times in a seven. row? Is that a stigma that? You think the Rams just have playing the Niners? Because those are the funnest games in the NFL season. The last couple years, all those games have been fun. So I don't know if it's just something that happens in the last minute or what, but um, that's it. Maybe the Niners are just playoff Niners, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jimmy G wins. Uh, I got a – Joe sent me a thing yesterday that had Jimmy G's stats and, like, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the playoffs or something like that. Yeah, they're not it's, good. It's not good. No. The yards are so low. Yeah. And touchdowns are zero and interceptions are like four. Yeah, they're a bunch. He's like, this is the guy that beat Rodgers. And I'm like, well. Yeah, let me he's, check. He's yep. cold-blooded, man. <laughs> cold-blooded. Uh, big question. Does Aaron come back now? Oh, man, that was a different answer last week, wasn't uh, 100%. it? <laughs> we just talked about it like – yeah, last week, two weeks ago, we were certain. Yeah. Certain he comes back. Well, see, this wasn't – this loss wasn't on coaching, I don't think. This wasn't a, a play call at the end of the game. This was four quarters of him not doing what he's known to do. Like, he didn't spread the ball out. Right. He wasn't getting the ball to his players in the end zone. 
he drove the ball down once for a blocked field goal. But, I mean, this has got to be on him more than coaching. Like, the last last year and even the year before, I could kind of be like, yeah, coaching kind of screwed right, you there. Right, But this year it's on him. So I don't know if he's going to take a look in the mirror and be like, okay, well, maybe this one's on me. I'll run it back. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he uh, – you know, when we were talking about it beforehand – Everything was going so great for them. They were the one seed. Yeah. They got to take a week off. They, you know, it's easy to be so happy with everybody when that's going on. When you're winning, everything's great. Right, right. And now, not only was it a loss, but it's a loss to a team that he hasn't beaten. And it's a team, you know, oh, the Niners again. And, you know, at home and all this stuff. And, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's said he's going to take some time and... I guess we'll see. Yeah, this would have been his chance to really exercise some of those demons. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we got another game on Sunday that was the Rams at the Bucks. Oh, what a game. And, oh, my God, another great <laughs> game. Jeez. Cup um, runneth over on this. It was oh, Rams 27, Bucks 3, <laughs> with 7.07 left in the third quarter. I mean, Rams were... Rams were running away with it. People were leaving the stands. People were turning the game off. The number of memes people were putting out there that, okay, the Rams are playing next week. What are they playing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. Stafford has, you know, made himself one of the better playoff quarterbacks. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was over. Yeah. I'll be honest. I took a nap. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was not over. Uh, the Rams, I mean, at one point, Cup fumbled. Which is really weird. Which is weird. Uh, the next drive, I believe, Stafford fumbled. Not so weird, but still. Um, and that was actually, though, wasn't that the, the bad snap? Like, he wasn't yeah, looking. Yeah, it, like, went he over, like, yeah. And they give it to Stafford, but he wasn't looking, and yeah. it just bounced off. And like, yeah, that's weird. That looks like a ball flying by my head. And during that, uh, the Bucks were just putting up points. Brady yeah. was doing Brady things. I yeah. Mean, it uh, was, looking back at it, it was just like, how did I not see that coming? Like... Yeah. All he needed was a chance, and with those fumbles, it just turning in chances, and then right down the field, it, normal Brady stuff, man. Yeah, it ended um, or didn't end, but I mean, Cam Akers ended up fumbling with like two and a half minutes on the clock, uh, with the Rams only up seven at that point. Yeah. Uh, it was the second fumble of the game. Though his first one was weird; he almost broke his neck. Yeah, he was like on his head. <laughs> um, and I guess I'll probably take a. Just quick little Cam Akers victory <laughs> lap about how awful he is because I called it. You did, man. You, you even did. though I'm now on his side. Yeah. But yeah, that I mean that fumble set up, you know, Brady to go for the the go ahead or not the go ahead the t- game tying score and yeah. he did. He Fournette scored. It was actually it was fourth and like one fourth and inches and they went for it. And not only did he get the inches, but he actually, Fournette, scored a touchdown. Um, but left, like, 42 seconds left. Way too much time. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Stafford had two deep passes to cup. I think one was, like, 20, and then one was, like, 45 yards, 44 yards, I think is what it was. And then, yeah, the third walk-off field goal of the weekend. Yeah, it's... And all by the the lower, higher seeds, whatever way you yeah. say it. By all by the away teams. It what's what's crazy to me is that the Tampa Bay defense on that last sequence, like, how do you? I, I know you can't really stop Cooper Cup throughout a game, 
He's going to get his, even if you scheme for it. But if there's one guy that you know you need to stop with under a minute left to drive down the field to get a field goal, you think Cooper Cup's your number one guy. Right. Van Jefferson, you definitely don't want him to get behind you because he's a speedster and he does those deep things. But, I mean, how do you – like, Cooper Cup wasn't double-teamed. He wasn't pressed off the line. He wasn't – he was open. He was just flat-out open. Stafford threw a dime out yeah, to him. But, yeah. like, I mean, holy smokes, how do you – like, how do you, how, do you, uh, how do you let that happen? I mean, you have all the momentum in the world on, on your side. You're going to be going into overtime with the greatest quarterback of all time on your side. All you have to do is keep them from driving 50 yards down the field to kick a field goal. And in two plays, like, that, like I'm the biggest Cooper Cup fan there is, but I got to put that one on the defense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was – I mean, in the – the Bucks defense the whole game was looking bad until they got all those turnovers. And even then, I don't think they were all, you know, the, the Stafford fumble, they didn't do anything but yeah, that counts on it. Yeah. So they kind of got lucky there. But, yeah, it was, you know, I had been hoping that the Rams were going to win because I didn't want to play the Bucks because of the Tom Brady factor. Yeah. And he did Tom Brady things. I mean, that he brought him back. I mean, you know. What was the the Super Bowl was twenty eight to three. This was twenty seven to three. Yeah, I mean, it's, and he just it's okay. Insane. Don't go. worry, guys. I got it. What's crazy to me is like that. Um, you know, all the talk. Obviously, I don't know if we're going to get to that after after a couple more things here, but of him retiring or whatever. But he's still doing exactly what he's always done. There's no drop off. None. That dude just brought back his team from twenty seven to three down. To tie the game to go into overtime, he did everything he could have done. Like, he did everything he could have done. All the defense had to do was stop somebody. Right, but like, right. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if he walks away after that. I don't think he can. Yeah, does, <laughs> that was the next question. Yeah. Does Brady come back? Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think he's coming back. I, th- I would put a higher chance at him coming back than Rodgers is to the Packers. See, I think the other way. I still do think he'll come back, but I think that – he is mentally, physically, everything prepared to play. I just worry about the wife and kids saying, hey, we're cajillionaires. Let's go buy an island. Yeah, they could have done that five years ago. Well, he'd always <laughs> said he wanted to play till 45. Next year he'll be 45. Well, right, right, right. <laughs> so it's different when you're going to, you know, you're trying to play to 45 and you're 39. That's a still a long time away. <laughs> When it's next year, ah, take one year off and get out of here. It's different Dude, than no, taking six years off. And so get much more goal-oriented that. I said I'm playing until 45. I'm not leaving one year earlier. I'm that close. <laughs> I also think he's coming back. I just I think that it's higher that he retires than, than Rodgers does. And, oh, know, I don't think Rodgers is retiring. I think he's going to a different team. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, after that game, we had our fourth game of the weekend. Holy cow, what a game. Nah, this game was hardly, I mean, nah. Bills versus Chiefs, uh, it was probably the game of the year, maybe the game of the century, maybe ever. I, I can't argue against any of those. Holy I, smokes, what a game. I don't even know where to start. I mean, the game was crazy. I'm just going to say that the two teams scored 25 points in the last one minute and 54 seconds That's of the fourth insane. quarter. That's insane. At, 
literally at a minute 54, it was Bills 29, Chiefs 26, and it ended 36-42 yeah. in overtime. Yeah, way too much time on the clock. I mean, the, the first half was good. There was, you know, lots of stuff going on the second half, but then the last two minutes was, I mean, you couldn't take your eyes away. You couldn't. You know, you couldn't go to the bathroom on a commercial break because they might come back. I mean, stuff was happening so fast. Yeah, I was watching it with my daughter, and she's a Chiefs fan, and I wanted the Bills to win. And we were watching it, and uh, when they went down the field, and they were they were bleeding out the clock. They went for a fourth down earlier. Uh, the Bills were, and, you know, they are going to go and try to get a touchdown. They're on fourth fourth down and something. And they get that touchdown. Yeah. And they go up. I'm like, oh, man, they left Mahomes so much time. So I did exactly what you said. I got up. I went to the bathroom. I went and grabbed a beer. I came back in. Tyreek Hill's running down the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what just happened? She's like, they left him too much time. Give him the deuces. And then I was like, wait, there's still a minute left on the clock. They left Josh Allen way too too much much time. time. Yeah. And she's like, well, I was like, yeah, it can happen both sides. And the next thing you know, boom, touchdown, 13 seconds. And she's like, is there too much time? I'm like, no, no. Let's start to set the table. We were waiting to eat dinner until the end of the game. And we start setting the table, and I just hear the game still going. And I hear my daughter, oh, my God, they're kicking. I go in there. I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, I missed that sequence of plays, the two plays. Because I was like, okay, well, I got to get dinner on. It's late. We got to get the kids in bed and ready for school and everything. And with 13 seconds, man, 13 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So trying to get a little bit behind here. So the Bills scored that touchdown. There was 13 seconds (laughs) left on the game. That put them up 36 to 33. So it put them up by three with 13 seconds left. I mean, nothing that can happen there. I mean, you can run a quarterback draw and run out of time. The number of (laughs) different clips that ESPN's shown, the different clips that have shown on NFL.com of people, you know, bars in Buffalo, bars in, you know, New York. I mean, just celebrating people going wild uh yeah 13 seconds is not enough time to run a quarterback draw there's no chance it's enough time to you know do anything so the bills kick off i was surprised they didn't squib kick it at Me all too. they just booted it out of the end zone so gave mahomes the ball at the 25 and he did have uh, I don't know if he had all his touchdowns, or I mean timeouts, but he did have two timeouts for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, what? I don't know what happened. Uh, he threw a ball to Tyreek that he split the defense, and then you know quickly called timeout, threw one to Kelsey up the seam, and then Butker came on to kick, and it it wasn't a sixty yarder. Yeah, it, it was, wasn't it was, uh, you know fifty nine. It was. It was like a 43-yard yeah, field. Yeah, an incredibly I mean, was, makeable kick. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, drilled it. Yeah. I mean, wasn't, it was right down the middle. Um, yeah, and I don't need, I yeah, 13 seconds. And like we said, that drive was shorter than Dak's play that ended <laughs> the game, the Cowboys play. game. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, 
it, it, it really is a, a glittering example of the difference between like teams that find a way to win and teams that find a way to lose. Did you see the the Kelsey mic'd up stuff for the last 13 seconds? Yeah, yeah. So he comes out, and he's on the sidelines while the kickoff's going, and he's yelling at number 10, hey, 10, which is Tyreek, you know. And he's like, just go up the middle and, and run by me, and I'll get in the way. <laughs> and literally, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Like, you know, they ran basically right up the middle. Mahomes threw it to Tyreek. And there was Kelsey to, you know, throw a block and get him an extra, you know, eight, ten yards. And then he's mic'd up and they're on the field and he's telling Mahomes, you know, I don't know what the play call, but he was supposed to run like an out. And he's telling Mahomes, you can hear him, literally yeah. telling him, hey, the seam's wide open. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to run, I'm not going to run the route that's called. I'm going to hit the seam right up the middle. And then they get to the line, and you hear Mahomes going, do it, Kels, do it, do <laughs> yep. it, do it. And, then, I mean, yeah, Kelsey just called both plays. Yeah. Like, drew him up in the dirt, basically. He was like, let's do this. The chemistry on that team is un- unbelievable, man. Like, you, you, you can see, especially with Kelsey, he does it with, with Tyreek too, but you can just see a look and a nod and, like, a twitch of the hand For or real. something. And it's like, I just changed the play entirely like they've talked so much about what's going on with you know what type of coverage there is if you know we'll have this play called but if the coverage is this i'm gonna break in or i'm gonna break out then you just know it and they don't have to even talk it's (laughs) i love it too that they like i mean obviously i think it would have been a good story anyways but the fact that one that kelsey was miked and then i just love the fact that mahomes was like in his cadence yelling do it do it kels like it's just perfect, yeah. Literally but, telling the defense where is the ball is going. I know, I know, right? <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, they kicked the field goal and got into overtime, and overtime was kind of a bummer. I mean, not really. If you're a Chiefs fan, it was amazing. Um, but, I mean, they just, you know. The one and done. They, they won the twin cost, got the ball, marched right down. The throw to Kelsey was legit. Yeah. That was a great touchdown. And I think that one was run a little different than he was supposed to too, right? Did, uh, you, did you hear that at all? I, I I knew he was supposed to be breaking out more and, and then he just sit, did back shoulder instead. Yeah, I, so I thought I, I thought I heard something about he said the same kind of thing. Like he's like, I'm just going to get open. Yeah. And then guess what he, he did. did. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of the overtime rules? I Dude, mean, I, you, it, I try not to be super reactive in the moment just because, you know, if, if the Chiefs would have lost in overtime like that, everybody would be celebrating the Bills winning. I think right. everybody in the world wanted the Bills to win, and nobody would be talking about changing the overtime rules right now. But, I mean, to be honest, like, in, in the playoffs, they should have a different, a different um, outlook on it for the playoffs. I think they can do, like, a full quarter of play or whatnot because if, if you think about it, like, both sides of those defenses are so gassed it's a huge advantage for just who's going to win a 50-50 coin toss. And it does kind of suck to lose. Like, the, the Bills earned a win. You know, right, they, they, right. they did earn a win, just like the Kansas City Chiefs did. So to have that decided by a coin toss at the end does kind of suck. Uh, I, I always am kind of opposed to NFL changing rules just based off one game or one play, but I think this is kind of a universal thing where the overtime rules – in the playoffs suck. I mean, if you want to keep them the same for the regular season, that's fine. But um, just give them a quarter. Give yeah, them a 12-minute thing or something like that, you know? I agree that during the regular season, I feel like, you know, it used to be awful. Just the first points won. So yeah. you just go down, kick a field goal. Right. I mean, so that was awful. So I love that they've changed it where if it's a touchdown, you win for the regular season. But I, 
But I think that's right. And I've heard some people say, you know, college rules where they just take turns. Oh, and you completely have to stop somebody. And that could go on forever that could, in the NFL. Yeah. I think that's, Especially with those two teams? Holy crap. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, that's awful, too. I was thinking, and I was thinking that no matter what the score is, the other team has a chance to match it. So, you know, if you score a touchdown, instead of it being over, the other team gets the opportunity. On fourth and eight, you're still going for it. You're trying to do that. And then after that, I would say the next point, you know, wins. But I've that's been the new one I've heard is just give them the full quarter. Give them 15 yeah. minutes, and it's just like the fourth quarter. Yeah. You have all the time. You have when that clock's out, whoever's winning is winning. And if it's tied again, you add another quarter. And I think I like that the best. I think yeah. that would and, – and I agree. You know, during the regular season when ties are a possibility and – they're, you know, they say they're worried about player safety, and so that's why they lowered the time and stuff like that. But that makes sense. But in the playoffs, yeah, man, that was tough to not have Josh Allen. Yeah, with the ball. yeah, I yeah. Mean, it would have sucked to see either of the teams lose because they both played great. But I mean, the Bills just—that story, like, it's the, it's the Bills, man. They got a team that can win a Super Bowl right now, yeah, right? Like, legitimately win a Super Bowl, and to see that gone, not at any fault of the offense really and the defense even it's it's hard to fault them because it's a whole fifth fifth quarter play you know they just they just got done playing their asses off right beforehand so they're exhausted so it's it it just sucks to see it go down like that you know yeah it it was definitely a bummer it just it felt like a letdown yeah you know like the game was so hype there was so much going on the scoring i mean imagine if that game goes and we have another minute 54 at the end and we score another 20 something points like people would have been losing their minds on how good that game would have been and instead it just ended like the game of thrones yeah <laughs> threw that up man of nowhere man <laughs> uh josh allen is a stud yeah, um, how do you not love you that know guy, he man. basically played two perfect games in the playoffs yeah uh, this game, he was 329, four touchdowns. Uh, all those touchdowns went to Gabriel Davis. So, such a good game, man. Eight catches for 201 yards and four TDs. Uh, what does he do next? I mean, I don't know, man. It's crazy. So, what's, what's crazy about Gabe Davis is, like, all season, at the beginning of the season, even before it started, he's like, he could be, he's your stash. He's the guy you want. Um, you know, if Manuel Sanders falls off or anything like that, this is the guy who's going to be the future. He's shown a little bit of flashes last year. And honestly, he didn't do much this year. He, he, he wasn't much during the regular season. He had a couple good games, a couple touchdowns, a couple flashes. But even when other players were out, uh, Isaiah McKenzie was kind of the guy. You know, he was their speedster right. and everything. Right. So now I don't know what the hell to do, man. Because like, Gabe Davis is supposed to be not a 200-yard, four-touchdown guy, but he's supposed to be a usable asset. I mean, he he had 35 catches on the season. That's, that's what I mean. He, he, not he didn't have much, much at all. But say you have that out of, um, you know, just, let's just say a Patriots wide receiver that you never heard of. And this happens a lot. You know, 200-yard yeah. game and four touchdowns. But you never heard of the guy. And you're right. like, okay, that's a one-time thing. 
Gabe Davis we've heard of. We heard right, he was supposed true. to be a thing. And then we finally see him be a thing at the last game he's ever going to play this year. So the offseason is just a merry-go-round of insanity around this guy right now. I see people wanting a first-round pick for him. I see people, you well, know. Trade. I looked up <laughs> some of the trades. Did you, did you see any of these? Uh, I didn't, no. So I looked up on the um, some of the trades that have gone down on Sleeper and different stuff. And on the night of the game, uh, Gabriel Davis straight up for Amari Cooper. See, that's insane to me. The next day... So the day after the game, Davis in a second for a first, and also Davis straight up for a 23 first and a 24 second. I, what's, what's weird to me is those are all overpays. Oh, in, in my, yeah. But, yeah. but also, if you're the Gabe Davis owner and you've held off all year hoping that he was going to be a thing with Josh Allen for the next couple years on this type of offense – like, I would sell him in a heart. To be clear, I would sell him in a heartbeat for any of those trades. Oh, God, but as, yeah. as, as you're the owner, you're like, oh, do I finally have my diamond in the rough that's going to happen? Or like, fuck yeah, I'm selling out right now. And I, I would obviously sell out for any of those. But like waiting all year to see that. And that wasn't just a good game. That's like a historic, oh, all-time, yeah, yeah. great, amazing, record-breaking game. Four-touchdown game from wide receiver in the playoffs. It was. Believe, yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's been some good wide receivers in the playoffs. So. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's uh, cash in while you can, guys. Uh, yeah. I don't, uh, he's, yeah. I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one for you. I don't think he's even going to be a wide receiver two for you. He's going to be a flex starter and probably a very good flex starter. I'll say that because anytime you have Josh Allen throwing you the ball, I think he's going to be very good. But, um, yeah, not, not 200 yards and four touchdowns. Good. Yeah, I would sell immediately. And I love the fact that he's tied to Josh Allen, but yeah. I am. I, he doesn't move the needle for me one way or the other. Granted, I have no shares, so I don't know. But 35 catches in an entire season. I know that there was other people on the team that, you know, were getting the ball more consistently. But, yeah, he doesn't move the needle for me. I would, if you have him and can move him for anything close to those, I would do that right away. Yeah, he's, he's not the number one on that team. Um. Who we you know we predicted who we thought was gonna be in the Super Bowl. Oh, dude. We suck. <laughs> now who now that we know who's left, who do you want in the Super Bowl? So okay. So I'm not predicting it's who I want. No, it's it's of these four okay. teams. <laughs> because if like, I predict what, the other teams are gonna win. <laughs> right, right. What what Super Bowl game do you wanna see? I mean, who oh, do dude, you want to I wanna see you know what? I wanna I, I wanna see the Bengals in, man. Me too. Because I've seen the Chiefs already and I love the I I don't I almost said I love the Chiefs out loud where people can hear me. But I love I love the players on the Chiefs, and I love Andy Reid. I think, you know, if they win another Super Bowl, by God, they deserve it. They're, right. they're amazing. They're awesome. But the Bengals are a funner story for me. I would have much more fun talking about the emergence of Joe Burrow as the king of the world and just his college career leading up to his NFL career and what he's done in a span of a couple years. I'd have much more fun talking about the Bengals and the Super Bowl. And then I hate to do this to you, man, but, like, I've I've kind of been riding with my hope oh, on the Rams, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. Man, you're right. I am not ashamed. Dude won me a trophy, bro. <laughs> that means fair, he has a spot fair. in my heart. And honestly, the one time my team was in a Super Bowl, I went to a barbecue with a bunch of friends. I was 14. There was a bunch of Niner fans there. Drunk uncle was all in my little 14 year old face talking mad shit because the the Niners were just stomping my team. So. That's kind of a tiebreaker. I don't hate the Niners like I used to, but um, if I have to pick one, I'm going to go Bengals against the Rams, and 
my goal for who wins will be me because I will be drinking and barbecuing heavily during that game and I'm just going to enjoy the whole thing. I'm trying to think back to when I was 14 years old and I think my brother was about six and I think Steve Young threw six touchdowns. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good coincidence. Nice segue there. Yeah, six, and six there was touchdowns. There's no chance my brother was six. I made that number up just because I wanted to say Steve Young threw six touchdowns. And they were all so fast. It was in Ricky 14, Waters had the first one like in minutes, right? Yeah, it <laughs> was I just remember yeah. I, I wasn't even a football fan there. I was you know, I lived in San Diego for a time, so I was like, oh I'm a Charger fan. And over went over to my buddy's house who were all Niner fans and like they're like, well I guess we're just gonna sh- shit on this poor kid for the next four hours and i was like i don't i don't even know like uh, is stan humphrey star quarterback i don't know like one guy has butts in his last name that's funny to me (laughs) so i clearly want the niners to beat the rams i want the niners in the super bowl they are my team that is what i want and I want the Bengals. I think the the week of rematch the '80s. You know where they just do <laughs> they line everybody up and the media goes and asks them all questions and everything. I want Joe Burrow to do that. Yeah. I want to hear everything he has to say. And and I want the Bengals. And I want the Bengals. I want the Niners. And I want the Niners to go 55-10 again. <laughs> um, but that's selfish. Um, but if the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are probably the best team that's left here. And I don't I, – I like the Chiefs, too. I like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I, Andy Reid's a stud. Um, so I wouldn't hate it. But, yeah, Bengals, Niners, that's what I want. I hope it happens. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to hate hate yeah. on Mahomes. Except the worst part of Mahomes is his family. Like, yeah. It's the worst, yeah. It's the worst God, part of that, dude. so awful. Yeah. <laughs> they should team up with Urban Meyer. <laughs> Just do something. <laughs> Oh, my God. I have to pause for that. (laughs) All right, guys. We are back from our break, and we are going to get into our rookie player profile. This week, we we took a look at Kenneth Walker III. He's a junior running back from Michigan State. He's 5'10", 212 pounds. He's 21 years old. He spent two years at Wake Forest, and then this last year, he transferred to Michigan State and was awesome his 2022 current adp right now he's a number three running back uh number three overall this one could change though um his 2021 stats 263 attempts 1636 yards and 18 touchdowns that's a 6.2 average he only had three receptions for 17 yards but he ran all over the place Miyagi, you like this guy. Dude, I love this Tell guy. Tell us about him. Yeah, so I um, – first off, I'll, I'll just go through my, my process here. Um, I started watching uh, film before I started watching highlights on this guy and before I was watching highlights first to kind of see, like, what, what the positives are. And then I started breaking down film, and, and I think I'm going to keep going forward just watching film first and skipping the highlights, and I'll watch the highlights at the end just, just for giggles, you know. Um, because I, I was looking for some specific things in, in, in a running back prospect specifically. I want to see vision, I want to see balance, and I want to see their pass game presence. And I'm sure there's other things that are also important. I always hear about five tool players, so I have to figure out what those other two tools are for me to look at. But for right now, those are the main things that I was looking for. And just watching the tape immediately, this guy jumped off the screen to me as the most 
pro-translatable court, uh, running back that I'd seen so far, even more than Brees Hall. I know everybody has Brees Hall as their consensus number one. I'm going to just start right now and, and let you guys know. I'm probably going to have Kenneth Walker on my top of my rankings that you can find on Patreon, by the way. Um, and until the combine or until they start interviewing, I'm probably going to have him staying at number one. Uh, a lot of stuff can change after the combine, and a lot of things especially can change after the interviews if you start hearing people are... Um, boneheads. Boneheads, yeah, boneheads. I was trying to think of a more eloquent way of putting it, but if they're, like, abrasive during interviews or if they're, they're – there's red flags that coaches have when they're interviewing these guys. So if he doesn't display any of those, uh, I'll just tell you right now, he's going to be my number one running back for this class. So I'll, I'll break down the pros really quick. Um, he led the nation in yards after contact. That isn't something specific to one tool set, but he had 900 yards after contact. Wasn't he something like with just his yards after contact, he would have been like a top 25 running back? Yeah, yeah. Like he's yeah. So, you know, when you talk about yards after contact, that, that leads you to a couple quick things that you know about that player right away. They have good balance because if they're getting hit, they have to stay on balance. Um, that's kind of one of the things I didn't see in Isaiah Spiller that I wanted to see more of. Uh, Spiller had the lower body balance, but upper body balance, he was kind of uh, lacking a bit. I think Kenneth Walker has both of those. Um, his breakaway speed, I saw him getting separation after getting into open spaces and housing it. You know, he was creating that open space and just, you know, breaking away. Uh, his bounce out ability, um, I really like his vision. So when he was running toward the line, you can tell that there wasn't anything there and he would bounce it out, you know, mostly to, to the left side of the field almost always exclusively to the left side of the field. And um, he has that, you know, stretching speed where he can just smoke the defenders that are trying to get out there. Um, and also when he's running towards the line, he's getting those linebackers to bite up. So when he bounces out, he's creating more availability out there too. He's, right. he's creating that to take advantage of. Uh, dude's got big cuts, man. He is like, like you know, and, and I'm not comparing the two, but you know, like Adrian Peterson with that jump cut, he would like laterally move three or yeah, four yards yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah. Completely. And it's just a whole different game at that point. And I'm not saying he has that type, but that's what I think of when I see jump cut like that dude can just, you know, he can shift his whole entire body from the a gap to the B gap in one cut and just see it and explode through there. Very, very quick laterally. And again, you're just creating opportunity with that. His balance, upper body, lower body. I think he has the best total body balance and control out of these rookie backs that I've seen so far. And uh, first contact uh, never really gets him down. I mean, the, he was the most touched behind the line of scrimmage, and he has 1,600 yards. Like, dude is yeah. dude yeah. is not easy to get down. And that, you know, uh, leads to balance. You know, again, creating. He's creating. I'm going to call him. He's the creator to me. This is Kenneth the Creator Walker. He's creating nice. opportunities. He's creating space. And he's creating leverage with the type of body movement if somebody's going in for a tackle, like other linebackers or corners that are going to tackle, their their leverage change once they see him get hit. And if that's not bringing him down and he has that body control to shift or to jump cut, like, again, just creating opportunity, man. Uh, smooth runner. Not a lot of jerky, uh, herky-jerky wasted movements. Even when he's dancing around at the next level, you know, he's, he looks like he's square dancing, two-stepping, and... Uh, it's all calculated. He's decisive with what he's doing. It, and again, I, what I loved most about this is his body movements were creating leverage from defenders anticipating where he's supposed to be going. And then he's using that leverage to break in another direction and just make him look stupid. It's kind of like how Dobbins film was in tape. I went back and watched some of that. Like he would just make people look yeah. stupid. And 
like you gotta love that in a running back and that's what I saw with him um and another reason is his uh hip flexibility man like the way he can position his hips and still keep his balance from his upper and lower body and just have those explosive cuts from every different angle you can imagine as a body positioning um to avoid defenders and then again just create his own create his own lane to run through um it's 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 a pretty good thing you know it's really good to see and uh you know his lower body's strong enough to shed contact he's a momentum-based power runner uh which means you know i think that's what separates him from spiller again like probably even more uh than the other thing is if he's running downhill you know he's got his head head of steam going and he sees a corner he's got that angle to get to him he doesn't try to get too cute he just runs straight through their face, man. He just runs right through them. Instead of trying to dance around to get another 10 yards, he just runs through them entirely to guarantee another five yards instead of, you know, the potential of just getting tackled right where you are. He, he, he fights for those yardage. He gets it. Uh, his change of direction speed, he goes from zero to 100 in just a few steps. Yeah, yeah, He's, sure. Yeah. Um, it works perfectly, again, with his footwork, creating in space, taking off like that, bat out of hell, rest in peace, meatloaf. He's just... For, for what I've seen so far, he is exactly what I want in a running back. He runs tough. He runs balanced. He knows where his gaps are with great vision. He sets up those gaps himself with his own skill set. And I think that's going to be transferable to any team that drafts him in the NFL. Obviously, there's going to be better places than others. But I think at whatever team he goes to, he's going to be more of a viable starter than some of the other running backs we've looked at. Yeah, I, I watched his tape, and I was really impressed as well. Um, I know that he, when he was at uh, Wake Forest, they have a weird way that they have their running backs kind of like slowly go up to the line yeah. and kind of dance around, and then they hit the hole real fast. He made it work there. He hit, a, he hit the holes really fast when he did it. It just looked weird, and in the NFL, the defensive line is – attacking you and tackling you there you better um, have a hall of fame o-line yeah, yeah yeah and i mean you know people talk about the patience that Le'Veon bell had and stuff but it wasn't the same it was weird watching the tape at wake forest they there was times when he'd literally walk up to the line like he would get the yeah. ball and it was almost walking and then boom he'd hit the hole and take off and and it worked for him and he made it work well but going to michigan state where mel tucker is the coach and Tucker has been pretty much, you know, he was credited a lot with Philip Lindsay's success in the NFL. Philip Lindsay was, you know, undrafted, you know, but he had played for Mel Tucker at Colorado, came in, and then his first couple of years, I mean, he was amazing. He was great. Oh, he was outshining every expectation. Yeah, so it was really good to see Walker. Like, you could just tell he's, he listens to the coach, and that, that for two years he did that funky thing, and then that's just gone. Now he's just very decisive. Boom, hits the hole, goes. You know, and, and that was good to see. That's, that wouldn't work in the NFL. You can't just walk up to the line and, and make it work. So it was really good to see him at Michigan State just, boom, hit the hole, very decisive, you know, making quick decisions. If he's going to, you know, bounce it outside, go. He, he looked like a solid NFL running back to me. He had great wiggle, great speed to bounce to the outside and run away from linebackers. I am interested to see his 40 time because I want to see if he's actually as fast as he looked in college. I don't know if that makes sense, but, 
you know, he was just running away from everybody, but everything, he didn't look blazing fast, but he looked effortlessly fast. That's a really good way of putting it. I mean, and I, I agree on, on wanting to see the 40 times because, again, it's, it's, it's weird. You can see somebody look crazy fast and then realize they're going against, like, second-tier, I mean, way more athletic than anybody I know, but second-tier college athletic, right. you know, people who are running, like, a 4.5 instead of a 4.4. So that makes a huge difference on the field on what it looks like. Yeah, I, I do want to – because, I mean, he, he didn't look like he was – he just looked like it was easy for him to run yeah. fast. He didn't look like he was just shot out of a gun, but he was always running away from everything. Yeah, yes. and, and big colleges, you know, Miami. I mean, different, you know, different stuff where it's like it's not second tier athletes. He's playing against yeah, good guys. So, I am interested. I mean, his whole game looked fluid and easy. Uh, I watched the game against Miami, and he had a good game. You know, he had a couple. Uh, he had a couple rushes of like 25, 26 yards. He had, I think he had three of them right over 20 yards. And, you know, he just made everything look easy and he ran away from everybody. And I, it was, again, it was a, a cut game where it was just his plays. And I was like, all right, man, he, he looked good. He, you know, that was a great game for him. And then I went and I looked the stats up for that <laughs> game and he had 172 yards rushing. And, and my mind was like, I was like, what? And then I like, I tried to kind of replay it in my mind. I was like, well, he had that big one. He had that big, okay. And he just, he made it look very easy. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's fluid. He's fast. You know, runs that just look like, you know, when I was looking back, I was like, okay, well, that run, you know, that he just went right up the middle. And then he got tackled. And I was like, well, no, that was 11 yards. Yeah. You know, and then, okay, well, that one he went, well, no. That was nine yards, you know, and it just started adding up in my head. And I was like, oh, my God, 172 yards. And he didn't break a sweat. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things I was talking about, too, is like the 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 ways he can find to make the first people miss. Like he looks like he's getting tackled at the line and just makes two more steps, two more NFL steps and falling forward. That's seven yards. Right. You know, so it, it goes from a zero yard to a seven yard or even if it's a, a negative two yard behind the line to a three yard gain, that's still you know, positive yardage. And I, I think that's what I really love about his body control and his, his uh, lower body explosiveness and, and his balance and everything. So, yeah, it's I, I think he can be one of those players who racks up some stats pretty, I don't want to say effortlessly, and nothing's effortless in the NFL, but I think if he get lands with the right coach, and I think he was coached up great this year, I think that's a huge part of his production because if he would have just looked at his Wake Forest tape, he wouldn't have been in my top five no, right, yeah um right. y there would have been some stuff i liked but seeing him just get coached up after one year i mean got, by god his first play was like a 75 yard touchdown <laughs> and it, it, he showcased like movement on that play it wasn't just like a wide open gap and he ran off and nobody touched him he was like making people miss for a good 30 yards down the field and then housed it so um i think coaching is going to make a huge difference on where he goes and on how he's maximized. But I, I see the potential there for some really great stuff from him. Yeah, me too. I did have a couple of cons about it when I was watching it. I, I am a little worried on how much he bounces to the outside. He seems to do it a lot, but he has the speed to do it. But I am worried, you know, NFL linebackers, NFL safeties are going to be a lot faster a lot as a faster. whole. You know, the whole group is going to get to you faster. So, uh, like I said, I am interested to see what his 40 time is and just to see how that does translate. You know, a lot of those where he outruns the defensive tackle and, or defensive end, he gets around him, 
some of those in college that he turned into 11, 12 yards, I think are going to become five-yard plays or four-yard plays when the linebackers get to him. So I, I'm a little worried about that. Um, I only saw him catch one ball, so it, he, and he only had three, you know, the whole season. I think he had, uh, what did he have? He had 19 in his three years in, in college, and his last two years only had three each. Um, but I think he's a yes that he can catch. Yeah. Um, I know that in high school he actually had more catches than even Brees Hall did, actually. Um, I saw one play he was lined up in the slot, but they didn't go to him. Um, so I think he can catch. I think that just wasn't something they, you know, asked him to do. But it was kind of weird because a lot of plays he leaked out to the flat. You know, he kind of chipped and then leaked out to the flat. But I'm not sure why they never threw it to him. Um, you know, I don't know. It could just completely be a scheme, you know, a scheme thing that they're just like, we just don't throw to them. I don't, I don't know. But I am intrigued to see how he does there to be able to, you know, be on the field for three downs because also, you know, pass blocking, he looked willing to do it. He looked okay at it. He definitely got his nose in there. Um, but a few times, you know, missed or, or wasn't quite in the right spot. But he looked like he's willing to accept coaching to work on that. Yeah, definitely. And for for the passing and everything, yeah, I think I also agree. I think he can catch the ball. And I don't think that he was he was utilized enough when he would kind of split out to the flat. I, I saw that as well. Um, so hopefully he goes to an NFL team, you know, just like Jonathan Taylor did, where they're gonna they're gonna make sure right. he get, gets the ball thrown to him. Um, and what I liked what I liked more about him than Brees Hall was was his route running. When they did split him out, or when they did have him in the slot, I saw a couple times he was lined up. He was running routes. Uh, Brees Hall was kind of lumbering through him, just kind of doing the motions, knowing he wasn't going to get the ball. Uh, Kenneth Walker was working it. He, he was he was running routes. He was trying to get open. Um, I really liked that. And then from the passes I did see, the few he was hand catching. He wasn't waiting for it to hit him in the body. Uh, that's a, good sign that you work on passing even if you're not getting used for it so I, I do like that about him um but yeah I'm gonna have to agree with you man he's he's a little bit timid as a pass blocker um and again I, I just want to start off by saying I don't know if, if what I'm about to say is a negative is actually coached I don't know if that's what you're supposed to do or if if uh or if, if you're not but I'll just say it um you know, he, he chip blocks, chop blocks, you know, he'll do that for days. He'll, he'll get an extra second or two for the quarterback. Um, but he never, like, stays with a block. He'll never confuse him for an O-lineman, which you probably don't want to do it as a running back anyway. But from what I understand, like, you probably just want your running back to get contact to throw the defender off their course, their, their you know, line to the quarterback just to throw him off right, for a moment. Right. I don't think you want your running back in there going face-to-face -face with, you know, a linebacker. Um, but I did notice that that was a thing, you know, he would get contact and then, you know, that would be it. Stop the guy for maybe a half a second or so. Um, at Wake Forest, he did miss some blitz, ass blitz assignments. That's a little concerning. Uh, again, he was a freshman and also Wake Forest isn't Michigan State. So the coaching is quite different there. Um, and then also uh, I saw some of this at Michigan State, but mostly at, at the Wake Forest tape is he would uh, go to his assignment. He'd go to the gap, stop the gap. If nobody was there, he would just kind of stand there, shoulders out, squared up, ready for anybody. But he wouldn't look for anybody else to block. And again, I don't know if they don't want him to do that because if he moves, then that means he's giving up the opening on that gap he's supposed to be filling up. And that could be way worse. Or if he just wasn't, you know, wasn't willing to go make contact with that second D lineman who's pushing back his O lineman. 
Um, so those are, those are some of the negatives. And again, I don't even know if those are coached to be like that or if they're actual negatives on the player himself. But um, yeah, he, he's willing to pass block. That's great. He's willing to run routes, uh, athletically run routes, not just walk through them. And uh, from what I saw, he's able to catch the ball. So even all my negatives are kind of positives. Sure. Um, so I, I think I've made it pretty clear. I'm kind of in love with this guy. So. Yeah, overall, I think he has the skills to be an NFL running back, and I would say he's probably a yes on can he catch or not. I mean, he, I just don't think we've seen it in college, but he definitely did it in high school. Um, I'm standing pat with him as my RB3 right now, um, but I am interested to see some of his combine numbers. And, you know, his landing spot could affect him a lot too. Um, you know, I love his improvement from his tape at Wake Forest to his year at Michigan State, and I just hope he can make the same leap, you know, that he did from Wake Forest to Michigan State to the NFL. Um, I think that he definitely has the skills to be a, a top running back for this class, and, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it ends up. We're going to get into more tape, and we're going to get into all the combine numbers later, and there's still guys, you know, we're, we're still early. There's still a bunch of guys we haven't even seen yet, so oh, yeah. we're excited to, to give you some information, and, and you know, we'll, we'll touch on a lot of these players again for sure. We're not just, this isn't all you're going to hear about them. We're going to, you know, go through some stuff. And after we get more numbers, we'll, we'll talk about them again. And yeah. Everything's going to change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we also, we we're, were just talking earlier that we're going to try to get a, a way too early, you know, rookie mock draft out. Just try to, try to get more of the rookie names in your ears. So when you're going through and you hear something about a player like, Ooh, I already heard about that name. I already heard about that name. And you know, you'll start understanding, you know, where they are, where they're from, what position they play. So we're hoping to definitely get more rookie content out as soon as the NFL playoffs are done. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to get into our six pack of the week. Our six pack this week is dynasty trades that have already happened for our 2022 season. Uh, these are our dynasty leagues specifically. They're trades that actually went down in leagues that we play in. We'll just tell you the trade, let you hear the trade, and then we'll just kind of tell you how we felt about it, if we liked it or if we didn't like it. Uh, I'm not going to lie, a couple of them are Miyagi was involved, a couple I'm involved. Uh, we'll just kind of jump into them real quick here. The first one is a Superflex 10-man. This trade is oh, me. with the champ. Yeah. Miyagi. <laughs> and the guy that came in uh, second place, uh, Trevor. So in this trade, uh, Miyagi gave up DeAndre Hopkins, mm. Darren Waller, Ugh. and Aaron Jones. Big names. Big names. Big, big boy trade. Yeah. In return, he got Hunter Henry and Christian McCaffrey. Right. Run CMC. Yeah. You still feel good about this trade? I, you know what? I still do. Um, I've been up and down on this trade quite a bit, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, I look at it like this. I think Aaron Jones is a sell. I think his stock is going down. I think A.J. Dillon will be much more involved next year than he even was this year. And I think if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, uh, Aaron Jones is going to take a big hit. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he's kicking down the door on 30. He's going to be a little bit older. He started suffering some of those soft tissue injuries already this year. I'm, I love DeAndre Hopkins. I hope he still has a good year or two left in him. But if he doesn't, I'm, I'm glad I moved him. And Darren Waller's the same way, man. He's 30. Tight ends are playing a little bit later. Um, but 
you, that team is such a question mark, man. Like everything about it, uh, you know, Renfro is definitely taking a huge portion of those tiny little passes that were normally going to Waller, and, and Renfro's doing quite a bit with them. So there's no reason to take all of that work and just give it back to Waller when he's back there. So I'm okay with giving up those guys. Hunter Henry, I think, established himself as the tight end in New England. I think at the beginning of the year, him and Jonu Smith, it was a coin toss on who was going to get it. Um, I still have Dawson Knox, uh, so I'm not really going to be relying on Hunter Henry. Um, but if he if he does what he does this year, he's going to be a great fill-in when I need him to be. You know, he's getting touchdowns, a couple passes, that's serviceable. And then Christian McCaffrey, I mean, dude, my dude's 26, man. He's, he's still young. I still believe in his skill set. I believe in his work ethic. The injuries obviously are concerning over the last two years, but it's not the same injury over and over again. It's not like one knee keeps giving him problems. He had, you know, the ankle and then a hamstring. Uh, I think by the time he was ready to come back, the the season was at such a loss. Like, you know, like screw it, just sit out again. Um, and I'll, I'll be totally honest, I've always been bigger on McCaffrey than, than most people. I know a lot of people love, love the dude, but like he got me my first championship in the same dynasty league. Uh, after I won a championship, I had some depth and I was like, I want to get him back. So I went out and I got my guy. Yeah. I think that this trade, knowing the league a little bit, I know that you had a ton of depth and you could afford to give up the guys you did. I do feel that, uh, that his team got better. Um, I don't know if it's better than yours, but his team definitely got better. But I'm worried that it's only for next year. Uh, like we said, Hopkins getting older. Darren Waller's about to be 30 himself. And Aaron Jones is kind of a sell. Where I think Christian McCaffrey, if he st- stays healthy, which we're all hoping I've traded for him myself as well, um, you know, I think overall you can win this trade pretty easily. But I do think that Trevor's team definitely got better for next year. Yeah, I mean, he was in the championship game, and Christian McCaffrey never played for him this year, and he just added those three players for depth. So he, his team definitely got better. I'm just hoping mine just got... If Christian McCaffrey <laughs> stays healthy and is still putting up 25, 30 points a week, you did for sure. Oh, it's going to be a fun year next year. Because you didn't play DeAndre Hopkins or Darren Waller much last year either. Yeah. You were, right. So, you know, in that aspect, you swapped Aaron Jones for Christian McCaffrey. So oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a good way of thinking about it. Thank you. Uh, trade number two is a super flex tight end premium league. Uh, this trade was between myself, who is definitely rebuilding, and the championship of the league. Um, I received CeeDee Lamb and DeAndre Swift, two huge players. Um, in turn, I gave up DJ Moore, Brian Edwards, the 1 2, the 1 10. Two seven, two nine, and a twenty-three second. Um, I feel good about this trade. I, I needed a wide receiver um, that I trusted a little bit more than Brian Edwards. Uh, he, I was big on him for a long time, um, and he's just not getting anything done. I still think he could later, but I really wanted a better wide receiver. Um, C.D. Lamb, D.J. Moore. I think they're close, um, but I. C.D. Lamb runs away with that for me. I have tons of him anyways, so I'm definitely in deep with him. DeAndre Swift, uh, he's a stud. I think he's going to be a top five back. Um, So, yeah, it cost me a lot, the 1-2, the 110, and a couple late seconds. But the main thing that I feel both is i got to keep the 1-1 and the 2-2 
they were not asked for or offered. Um, so I'm happy to have, I'm happy to get what I got in that. Yeah, um, looking at this trade, first of all, like I, I, knowing your league mates is an important part, and I know you love C.D. Lamb and DeAndre Swift. Those are like two of your guys. You're, you're my guys. Um, so any trade where you're getting them, I almost immediately think like you win because no price is really too high to get the guys that you love and you believe in on your team. That's not true. Some prices are too high, but what I'm saying is you got your guys. DJ Moore, question mark, obviously it, the offense will run different next year with a new O.C., uh, quarterbacks all up in the air. I love DJ Moore's talent. I love his work ethic. I think he brings a lot to an NFL team, but fantasy just hasn't translated as much. And Brian Edwards, you're right. Um, I did think the one two and the in the one ten were were a bit much at first, um, but then it, you, you pointed out you still have the one one, and I was like, oh shit! Like you win, you win a hundred out of a hundred of these. <laughs> this is this yeah. is great um, because you know it, it being a super flex league the one one is going to be incredibly valuable for anybody who needs a quarterback and then you can pick and choose who you want you still have the the, the two two which is basically a first round pick in a super flex league so you're still going to be able to add some depth and talent so i really like this trade for you man you nailed it yeah i was happy with it trade number three is a super flex 10-man league both guys are lower tier they both just missed the playoffs they ended up seventh and eighth and and they're both kind of middle tiered guys uh our buddy joe uh, he received Joe Burrow Jeez. and the 1-7. And he gave up Alvin Kamara, Cortland Sutton, the 110, a 23 first and second. I feel that the Joe Burrow and 1-7 run away with this. I think the Joe Burrow side wins without the 1-7, to tell you the truth. I, right. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how you get... Joe Burrow and move from the 110 to the 170. Yeah. That's that's outrageous to me. Like I feel like Joe Burrow 110 for Kamara Sutton the 17 uh seems, you know, a little more <laughs> realistic. I I don't know how he was able to move up in the first and get the quarterback. Yeah, um what really pisses me off about this trade too is like earlier on in the year I was trying to trade for Joe Burrow and he was like, "Oh, that this guy's unobtainable, man. He's the, the foundation of my rebuild. He's, like, going to be my quarterback for the next 10 years. I'm like, oh, okay, that's – and I understood that. I respected that. I was like, well, that's a smart time, decision. Well, he had Jamar Chase as <laughs> yeah. well. Oh, yeah, he said he was never going to get rid of Jamar Chase, too. That's fucking right. He's now on my team. I know, and you won't trade him to me because you're a jerk. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, let's, let's look at this piece by piece. Alvin Kamara, maybe a year left in him. Uh, Sean Payton gone. That, di that didn't happen at the time of this trade, but I mean, that's, that's not worth, worth much. I mean, Kamara definitely still has value, but like not Joe Burrow in a super flex league value. Cortland Sutton, um, disappointment, man. Like he has the talent and ability to be something, but he, I just, I, I don't think we've seen it yet. And I don't think we're gonna, uh, so you have the 110. You gave up the one seven, so you got a 2023 20, first and a second, which is great. But that, like, you gave up, you gave up what you were hoping to get, right? <laughs> like you, uh. yeah. The the one seven and the one ten to me just completely belong on the other side. Yeah, like I, I don't. I mean, or well, they should have been left out completely. But I don't. I don't know how Joe Burrow and the one seven that that is. To me, hands down, runs away with it. I love that trade. Good work, Joe. Uh, yeah, I think that's great. Our fourth trade is a one quarterback, but it is tight end premium. 
It's a 10-man league, and this trade is between uh, our reigning champ and our reigning toilet bowl. Yeah. Uh, the champ receives the 1-1. Champs need that pick. And a 24-second. <laughs> and to get that, he gave up Jalen Waddle. How do you feel about that? I... Uh... I hate it, man. Like, I, I love, I love Jalen Waddle. I just think the timing of this trade was wrong. I think if you have the 1-1, it is worth 10 times what it's worth now if it's right before drafts. Like, after the NFL draft, after maybe a month where everybody's getting used to where they're going to be at the team, like, the 1-1 draft pick is going to be worth significantly more than even Jalen Waddle. And I love Jalen Waddle. Um, so I, I think the timing of this trade was off. Now, if you were to ask me if I were to trade my 1-1 uh, for, for Waddle, um, I wouldn't do that in, in, a, in a super flex tight end. This isn't a super flex, but um, I wouldn't do that right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm exact. I don't mind giving up the 1-1 for Jalen Waddle because I, <laughs> I don't think – you're you're hoping that the one one turns into Jalen Waddle, so I don't mind yeah. the one one for Jalen Waddle. I'm okay with that trade, but you're right. The timing stinks. If you wait until people are enamored with who they want at the one one, that becomes better. A 24 second, it is a second, but it's also you know years away, so it doesn't move it a whole lot. But I think if you wait on this trade. I think you have the one one and you get Waddle plus. Yeah. Instead of losing the one one and you have the plus. Yeah. You probably could have switched that second to the Waddle side right before draft. I, that's what yeah. I and that, <laughs> that, and That's what I think. I think the only other thing I hate about this trade is that Jalen Waddle went to the fantasy reaper. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. I, mm. Well, hopefully it was just a one year thing. Yep, yep. Oh, man. We did. We switched over to 2022, so he's, he's done with that. Okay, he's going to be the opposite of Reaper? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Trade number five is kind of a big one here. It's a super flex tight end premium, but it's tiered scoring, meaning that running backs get .5 PPR. Wide receivers get a whole PPR. Tight ends get one and a half. It's a 10-man league, and this is between the champ, again, our buddy Joe, and the fourth-place person, who, um, you know, has a pretty good team as well. Uh, Joe was able to get – well, Joe – no, first Joe gave up. So he gave up Debo Samuel. I mean, Debo's Debo. He's a good Love him. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, so gave up a quarterback. Kendrick Bourne. And then a 23 third and fourth and a 24 second and fourth. So, uh, you know, gave up a, gave up a lot. Debo, Teddy B, Kendrick Bourne, bunch of picks. But in return, he got Tyreek Hill, a 23 first, a 24 first, and a 24 second. And, again, I think Joe is just running away with these trades. Yeah, I can't. There's no other word besides killed it. I mean, like, you killed that trade, dude. Yeah, Debo is, I mean, I think Debo is the best piece in this. But if you're replacing Debo with Tyreek and then getting two firsts, I, 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 don't even, I don't know how you do that. I think, I mean, the argument is, well, I got a quarterback, but I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to, you know, Teddy Two Gloves is going to be Teddy backup here. Yeah, I don't think he, he's a starting quarterback. I don't, no, I don't put no. him in that category as you have a for sure starting quarterback. He's a backup. 
And, you know, he might land someplace where he could get a starting job, but it's the same as it has been. He might be a starter for a year, you know, and, and uh, it, I mean, I still have Tyreek Hill ranked over Debo in, in, even in fantasy. I mean, Tyreek's not super old. He's tied to a better quarterback. He's explosive all get up. But so I, I think he got the best player and he got two firsts, one first being in, a, in an insanely talented class and a second for, you know, basically scraps. I mean, Teddy, Teddy B's not a starting quarterback. Kendrick Bourne, uh, good for you, uh, a third and a fourth and a second and a fourth years down the line. Uh, Debo is the only viable starting option that this guy got out of that trade, and he gave up the house for that. Yeah, I do think I have Debo ranked higher than Tyreek. I think that Tyreek has just been a little too sporadic on his good games and his bad games this year. So I would put Debo ahead of him, especially with the the rushing that Debo's been getting. Yeah. But I would say it's very close. Yeah. Um, I also know that he was a really big uh, 49ers fan. Um, so, you know, it's going to pay for his guy. But, yeah, I think I think Joe fleeced him. I think this trade's great. Yeah, good, good for you again, Joe. Uh, the last trade we got in our six-pack, trade number six, I'm actually included in this trade. This was a super flex 10-man league, and it was between myself, who I finished in third last year, and uh, our toilet bowl. Um, I received David Montgomery and 2.1 in this year's draft, and uh, Big Dick Nick uh, gave him Aaron Jones. Big Packers fan, wanted his Packer. Uh, I feel pretty good about this trade. You should feel very good about this trade. You just got younger at a skill position, and I think David Montgomery's going to be really good. I have him ranked higher already than Aaron Jones for next year just because of the usage alone. Opportunity leads to, you know, points. Uh, Aaron Jones' snap count's gone down. His utilization's gone down except for this last playoff game. And um, there's a lot of question marks for the future there at their quarterback. And then, again, he's going to be fighting for touches with uh, Dylan. Um, David Montgomery, he's pretty much the guy there. And they did just announce the, the new coach for the Bears. Uh, he's a defensive-minded coach, so I'm hoping they get a really good OC um, that can can help Justin Fields and help Montgomery kind of, you know, reach their pinnacle. Uh, and then you got the 2-1, man. That's basically a first-round pick. It's a super flex league, so there's going to be plenty of talent there. So you got two younger, talented players for an aging running back. Um, I'm a big proponent of if, if you want your guy, go get him but I think, uh, I think your team got significantly better with this trade. I do think Aaron Jones is going to be better this year um, than David Montgomery this next year going forward, but I think it's going to switch pretty quick. I'm really happy with the 2-1. Um, you know, that's going to be pick 11 basically in a 10-man draft, or it is pick 11 in a 10-man draft, so I'm, I'm happy there. It's funny, I didn't actually know it when I, I wasn't thinking about it when I made the trade, but I actually have Khalil Herbert on this team. Oh, perfect. Um, so to already have David Montgomery's handcuff, who filled in very, very respectively when he was out, um, I'm happy with that too. So yeah, I, I also really like that trade. I, I'm happy with it. Yeah, you, you should be, man. Good job. So those were six trades that went down in our leagues. Just kind of let some people know what guys are going for right now. If you have any good trades, go ahead and shoot it out to us. Let us know what you got. We'd love to hear about it. Um, some trades stink, though. Some trades are bad. We call them the drunken trade of the week. They're brought to you by at Bad Fantasy Football Trades on Facebook. And this one isn't horrible. I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts and to see kind of how much you would pay for a trade like this. 
this one, uh, a guy, it's a super flex league, and he's getting Justin Herbert. I mean, I think Justin Herbert's probably a top four startup quarterback right now. Yeah, top for five, sure. Yeah. Right in there. Um, but to get Herbert, it's going to cost you a lot. And this person paid uh, Carr, paid Derek Carr, the 110, the 112 in this year's draft, and then 223 firsts. So Derek Carr, two late firsts, and 223 firsts. Uh, what do you do here? What side do you think you like? Uh, it's, it's tough because, again, you have a proven asset, and I think Herbert's going to be amazing for a long time. He's 22? Is he 22 or 23? He's right So you got, you got a guy, he's just going to be killing it forever. But it's so hard to give up four first-rounders and another starting quarterback. And these are the first ones. These are, these are later round ones, the, the 110 and the 112. You're going to get good startable assets in, in a super flex draft because three of those picks are going to be for quarterbacks. So you're going to have, like, the 17 and 19. But it, I think it's the right decision to get Herbert. But I think it's so hard to push send on four first-rounders and a starting quarterback to get to get something man I'm, I'm on the I'm on the fence with this I just think four first is too much to give up yeah I think it really would depend if you were exactly one quarterback away and Derek Carr was your you know quarterback and you got the upgrade I could see going for it but it, yeah that's it's so much I mean Derek Carr in a super flex has to be worth the first as well so there's an argument it's five plus firsts for Herbert which seems like too much. The one thing that I do like is that it's you've traded for some of these first, so it's not like your entire draft class that you have, you know, all of your draft picks. It's two and 22. They're both late. Um, and then, you know, two and 23. So in theory, you still have your 24. I know that's a ways away, but, you know, another year. You know, instead of giving away all your picks and just being like, well, if something goes wrong, I have no way to fix it for the next three years. The way this is set up, it's only a two-year window, arguably. I think it would depend on my team. Yeah, that's kind of what all breaks down to. I mean, if you have an insane amount of depth and you're just a quarterback away, then yeah, go for it. Get your guy. But if you have a good starting team and your bench is super thin then you overpaid because yeah, you're not going to be able yeah. to get anybody on your bench now and you're just going to be relying on Herbert and basically whoever's on your team right now. You might have some second-round picks or whatever to pick up some more people, but it's going to be a lot harder to keep that roster functionable at that, at that payment. Yeah. We're talking four starters in the next two years. Yeah. Eight. So that's tough, man. But again... Yeah, you would, you would <laughs> definitely have to be set at your skill positions and just need a quarterback because yeah you're you're hurting yourself in the long run here yep but hey if you win now go for it dude and we say it every year Derek Carr always finishes up better than you know than he seems that he should yeah he's the QB1 you know, this year yeah, he always <laughs> ends up right there around 12 13 14, he was exactly so. QB12 this year yeah <laughs> like, yeah that in in a super flex league that's that's you combine that with whatever players you're going to get with those four first rounds, and, you know, you got to take that into consideration. Derek Carr isn't – I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. He isn't horrible. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, he, he gets the job done. Yeah. Um, real quick shout-out to Trevor, a.k.a. T-Bay. Joined us on Patreon this week. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for doing that. We'd love to have everyone else join as well. Um, that's it, man. Thanks for listening. 
Uh, anything before we get out of here? Just just enjoy this week of football still. Just let it marinate and enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, and root on the Niners. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Again, Spotify, iTunes. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you rate and review. We'd love to have you follow, subscribe. Do all those things that you do. Um, send us an email if you want, fantasyondraft at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasyondraft. Um, thanks, guys. We appreciate y'all. Try to make a good smile today. Chip your bartender. Peace out.